0: And uh, into the other's gang, two sisters, both curious and strange. A lovely duo when they witty from the brain, it's the magic hour, Mercedes and Jay.
1: Welcome boys and babes to our little life-giving podcast. We so gratefully live our bliss through It's the magic hour, a place where we navigate through life's peaks and valleys with all the vulnerability and shamelessness we can muster. With the help of world-class guests from all walks of life, we uncover new truths and valuable tools for manifesting our highest potential. I'm your host, Mercedes Terrell, along with my partner in shine, Jade Bryce. Hey, you guys, I cannot hardly
0: wait to get our guest on today. This woman has been the most influential person in my life when it comes to my parenting, and I honestly recommend her book to every person I know the moment that I find out that they're pregnant. It's one of those books that you just want to always be reading to keep those important conscious reminders in your life. Hers is the much needed reminder that parenting a young child is probably your greatest opportunity for change. And I really don't want to miss out on that opportunity while I have it. So I am so stoked to talk to her today about it.
1: Yeah. And I know you recommend this to people who are going to have kids um in their near future or maybe already do have kids but you've also recommended it to me and i know her writing as long as well as her um talks and listening to her speak on other people's podcasts etc have really given me a new insight into how to be a conscious um self parent i'll call it to my own mm-hmm. inner child. So there's a lot in there for everybody, you guys. Um, this is not just for parents for sure. Like I've already felt the changes from her, her knowledge, her messages and her wisdom. So so give it a listen. Mm-hmm. Like don't tune out just because you heard the word parent. Self parenting is much needed mm-hmm. in all of us. So let's get around, Jade. Yes.
0: Without further ado, let me introduce an acclaimed author, Her first book, The Conscious Parent, who the Dalai Lama wrote the preface for, has been endorsed by Eckhart Tolle and also by Oprah as one of the most profound books on parenting she has ever read. She is a world-renowned clinical psychologist who received her doctorate from Columbia University, New York. She specializes in the integration of Eastern philosophy and Western psychology, making her an expert in her field. She is a wisdom teacher and international speaker. Her message has the potential to change people's lives for generations to come. Her online courses have helped hundreds of adults and families around the world, covering topics like anger, anxiety, purpose, meaning, relationships, and conscious health. In addition, she regularly teaches group meditation classes. She is truly being the change that the world needs by providing these tools to parents and reminding us all that our children facilitate our evolution thus forever benefiting generations to follow. We are so excited to welcome Dr. Shafali Sabari.
1: Yeah. Hi. 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 Thank you for being here with us.
0: Yes. Um, I, when we first started the show, wrote down eight names of my dream guests and you were one of them. Um, we've now marked off three, but you were one of them. So this is like a huge thing for us. Yeah. And um, i so happy. The moment that um, we have a mutual friend, Tom Shadyac. the moment that I, he was one of the first people I let know that I was pregnant. And after we talked a little bit, he, the, before we hung up, he said, the first thing I want you to do is pick up the conscious parent by Shafali Tazbury. And I am so glad that he gave me that gift of, of letting me know that your book exists. And so now every time someone is pregnant, that's the first thing I tell them that they have to do is read your book.
2: Uh, thank you so much. I'm so happy it helped you.
0: Yeah. Um, so Shafali, you are known internationally for helping parents become more conscious. What are, some of the most unco- what are some of the most common unconscious mistakes a parent makes?
2: Well, I think the first thing a parent needs to understand is that raising a child in the current parenting paradigm is to raise a child in fear. Mm. And unless we can understand that most of the choices we make and most of our reactions to our children are fear-based, we won't really get in alignment with a higher consciousness. So in my own journey, when I began to see that I wanted my child, say, to sleep on time, which is a legitimate Mm. desire of every parent, or eat healthily, Mm. it was partly due to her well-being, but a lot of it was driven by my fear. How will she survive? How will she be okay tomorrow? And then as the child grows older, it's about grades and then it's about fitting in and then it's about where they'll go to school. And all of it can be legitimized as being for the child's well-being. But if we are really honest and transparent with ourselves, we'll see that a lot of the emotional charge we have around these very simple life skills and tasks uh, is heavily induced and and cloaked in fear. Mm -hmm. So unless we can own the fear that we have, uh, we won't be able to awaken ourselves consciously. So that's one of the biggest, if you want to call mistakes, because then fear leads to control. Fear leads to expectations and agendas. And when you have expectations and agendas of people, you... Interact with them how you want them to be versus who they actually are. Mm. And then you create a disconnection. Then you get into your ego. Then you react. Then you create uh, this sort of emotional wound between yourself and your child. And then your child carries the scar Mm. that they will interminably have to heal uh, as adults. I mean, this is how we all are walking around with these big emotional wounds. So, um, you know, it all starts with the parent wanting to be conscious What does it mean to be conscious? It means to understand that the first person you have to raise is yourself and your child is here to be a mirror to how you need to raise yourself. And imagine if we looked at the parenting portal and all relationships like that, then there would be no such thing as a heartache or there Mm. wouldn't be such a thing as cheating or betrayal or abandonment, really, because we would look at every relationship as an opportunity for us to grow, even the most painful ones. So it is with the parenting process. So, um, what I offer parents is a is a is a paradigm shift, right? Mm. From from control to connection, from being asleep to being awake, from looking at your children as those to be raised to looking at yourself as the one to be raised.
1: Mm. Yeah, that is so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So my my big goal right now, um, I'm always trying to be like peaceful, present, and playful. Um, but my big thing right now is, is not yelling. Um, I have two toddlers, a three and a four-year-old. And it's like, I say something five times so sweetly. And then I get the Batman voice, you know, because I'm like, I, I can't get them to listen. And I, I think that it is rooted in fear because maybe I'm trying to think, where is that trigger from? And I'm thinking maybe I didn't feel heard as a child and I didn't feel heard by my past lovers. And so now like not feeling heard is like triggering me and it causes me to yell. So maybe that's even rooted in fear
2: yes i mean not being seen not being considered significant not being considered competent not being listened to <laughs> this is the the hallmark of a parent right every yeah. child makes every parent feel completely helpless incompetent and utterly insignificant yeah. <laughs> imagine our whole lives we've wanted to be understood validated competent and we thought we'd have these children to finally lord over someone, to boss over someone, to have somebody unconditionally be our slaves. Mm -hmm. And it's not so, you know, and no one tells us before until it's too late. So here you have these little creatures walking around, simply not paying you any mind. And Mm -hmm. it has the potential to activate old wounds, Mm -hmm. unless we have healed those wounds. And when we heal those wounds, then we don't get triggered by our children. And we simply understand that they are confused. They are immature. They're undeveloped right? Mm-hmm. The, whole, the whole way of looking at our children shifts when we're healed. But when we're not healed, then everything they do is taken personally. And everything is an arrow straight to our own wounded heart. Mm-hmm. And everything brings up stuff from our past and our children feel to us like the controlling maniacs our parents were or feel to us the neglectful um, invalidators like our parents were. Depending on our parents, that's what we project onto our children because we have all these wounds.
0: So that was something I was curious about too. So growing up, I always felt my parents' moods were my fault, which developed in me a codependency with my partners later. What is the? I notice with my kids, if I'm stressed out or if I the dog did something, the first thing they they do is they're like, "Mom, can I give you a hug?" And it it may it'll make it better, and it makes me uh, curious that hopefully I'm not causing them to feel. In any way that my moods are their responsibility. So what is the best thing that we can do to avoid our children feeling this way?
2: Right. So it's, it's really hard what I'm about to say, and I I don't think I've achieved this successfully. So I'm only offering it as an ideal and an aspiration, not as a condemnation for those who haven't done this, but this is what I aspire to do. So when I'm in a bad mood, a pissy mood, upset, frustrated, I try to check in with myself, you know, so say I'm driving home, I now know after many meltdowns and temper tantrums on my part that the time to check in is before you encounter your child, before you wake up in the morning and go greet the day, before Mm -hmm. you enter their room and are about to flip your lid. So before we owe it to our children and ourselves to tune in, you know, check in, what's going on within me? What am I feeling right now? And notice and be owning of your frustrations, like own it, don't deny it, Mm -hmm. get in touch with your frustrations. It's your inner child that needs some attention. And if we don't, as adults, pay attention and reparent our own inner children, then when we get home and our children haven't done the chores, or they've made a big mess in the house, that's it. Imagine that inner child all day was frustrated. The inner child wanted to lose weight, did not lose weight. Wanted to get the raise, didn't get the raise. Wanted to flow in traffic, was stuck in traffic. So that inner child is having a little temper tantrum within ourselves. And mm-hmm. we're not competent to parent the inner child. Mm. At home, the the real child is going to pay a price because our inner child has gone awry. Mm. So we owe it to our real children to parent our inner children. Mm.
1: So, so I, the way I'm hearing it is that we're externalizing the work that needs to be done and asking our kids to do what we really need to do for ourselves.
2: Well, yes, exactly. That's what's going to happen when you don't pay attention to your own shit. Sorry, scrap stuff. I don't know. All, good. <laughs> uh, uh, all that stuff that's going on within. And if you don't tune in and pay attention and be aware, and that's what conscious parenting is about, is really to be attuned and aware moment by moment of your own arising. So if you're not, then you it will have no choice but to be projected outside. That's what you were saying, externalized yeah. outside. It will spill over and your kid will pay, pay a price for your unhealed stuff. Whether you want to or not, whether you are in, you know, um, decisively doing it, intentionally doing it, it doesn't matter. The unconscious doesn't care about your decisions. The unconscious doesn't care about your best intentions. The unconscious will seep out if it is not healed. So Mm -hmm. we cannot heal ourselves completely, Mm -hmm. but we owe it to ourselves to keep healing ourselves continually.
1: And that leads over into more than just parenting, right? I mean, it's in our, our every relationship we Permanent, really
2: have. Yeah. yeah, every relationship with everything—with food, with our work, with our deadlines, with our bodies, mm. our exercise, our uh, and our nearest and dearest.
0: Yeah. Wow. So um, two, two or three nights ago, I did um, a plant medicine ceremony, and I had this journey where I was talking to a past lover. I saw him as a little boy on his bed crying and feeling so abandoned and uh, so alone. And I was me now sitting on the foot of his bed, begging him, please heal. Don't abandon yourself. Deal with your trauma. I was begging him at, at this age now. And at the same time that I was me now, I was my, I was an infant, my infant self staring into my father's eyes. And instead of, I was looking at him with pure love just like I used to this partner in the beginning. But instead of him mirroring that back to me, he mirrored to me abandonment because he was abandoning himself. And as an infant, I was saying a prayer to him, like, please heal your trauma. Like, please don't abandon yourself. And so it was like this whole vision of being imprinted as an infant and continuing that prayer on throughout my life to every partner. And I realized also that my son has already been imprinted with that from his early months of what we were going through me and his father what can i do now not so much as sister but what can i do now that my son has already been imprinted with that i know it's necessary for him to experience beauty later and to become a, a someone you know with deep passion and things like that but what can i do now to help undo some of that damage i,
2: I don't think our task is to ever go into the past to undo things because we all did things with that consciousness that we had and everyone kind of co-created that reality uh, even your son was part of it but i think the question to ask like you you're you're asking is what can i do now mm-hmm. but not to do it with regret or guilt i know that's hard but uh because regret and guilt suck our energy and take us away from the present moment we want to come back into the present moment and say okay i have this moment now And I can avail of this moment and the power of this energy right now. And the most powerful salve we can offer our children is our whole presence, right? So the more we can radiate with this inner wholeness and look at them with wholeness, then eventually they will absorb it. Or when they're ready, they will absorb it. You know, our children didn't just come to us, I don't believe, you know, I believe they've lived many forms, many kinds of ways, and we are just one more usher uh, in this vast, long, eternal journey. So that's the part of consciousness that I teach parents to, to disidentify from this mania that they are the parent and they are the controllers and they're going to fix or make or break this kid. That's just so myopic. You know, we are vast, we are eternal, and we come in many forms. And this is just one form in this moment in time. There'll be more. So, never to come from lack, to always come from the sense of abundance and wholeness. And we're all here to evolve. So, every journey will have pain. Mm. Pain is unavoidable. So, we must just understand that pain is the way we seem to grow in this dimension. And so it is with your children. They will also go through pain and they will also grow.
1: Hmm. That's beautiful. In in my upbringing I I was never yelled at. I literally cannot remember one time where I was yelled at. But my mother would get down close to me and and ask me to basically normalize myself in whatever situation. So she would say you know, I'd be throwing a tantrum or I'd be mad or biting my sister or whatever I was doing to be acting out and she would come and tell me, "Mercedes, look around you know maybe we're in a restaurant or something like that is anyone else here acting like you're acting and i would be like no you know i'd respond and then i would normalize through that but i noticed now when i look back at that situation that and perhaps this is coming more from me being the eldest child or something but um that it also asked me to grow up really fast and like i didn't experience a lot of my feelings i learned to normalize in a situation where I needed to like express some of those things too. And then I do that, you know, I see that pattern happen in my adult life as well. And I don't, I mean, I'm sure my mom was trying her absolute best. I'm not blaming her uh, for making the wrong choice there because she was definitely trying to, to do what she could. But um, I don't even know that I really have a question for that, but just that I'm sure you've seen so many different circumstances of where a parent is trying their very best to be conscious, but they still are doing it perfectly, you
2: know? And yeah, know. there is no perfection. I mean, I, I don't do it perfectly because it's not perfect. It's an imperfect art. Mm-hmm. And I th- because you're dealing with human beings yeah. who are constantly being in the moment. And so the aspiration is not to be perfect. It's really to just be present and then to grow and then to grow and then to grow and go, okay, did that and that didn't land well, now we grow you know Mm -hmm. we just keep evolving we don't expect perfection so then we don't expect to stop anywhere we don't expect to reach a destination we just keep evolving you know Mm -hmm. yeah and i think to your point parents are scared of feelings because all of us i can say from across the board east or west i have noticed that everyone is scared of feelings because if feelings are painful We're afraid that the feelings are going to devour us because we don't know how to feel the feelings. We only know how to react to feelings. So feeling feelings is an art. You know, it's like standing on the platform and watching the train go by and not hopping on the train. Mm. You know, you can learn to feel sad without being sad. And, And that's an art and meditation kind of teaches you how to do that. But most people are not exposed to those techniques of meditation. So they believe that feeling sad is being sad and that they are sad, and then their identity is sad. Ah. But there's a way to feel feelings without becoming them. And uh, that's the art of wisdom. But because most people are not aware of how to do that, they then uh, act out. And so everyone avoids big feelings because they don't want people to act out.
1: Yeah, separating yourself from the feelings so that it's not you. We had a magic trick about that. Um, on a different episode where we place the word noticing in the sentence so like instead of I'm sad or I'm feeling sad it's I'm noticing that I'm feeling sad and just doing that makes you feel a little bit separate from the emotion where you're looking or perceiving it from a different set of eyes instead of this one that can only see sadness around it and can't see anything outside of it at the moment yes so you recently did a webinar about the top 10 things that you wish your mom would have told you about love, sex, and relationship, but didn't. Can you mm-hmm. share a little taste of that with us?
2: <laughs> well, um, I wish my mom had told me you know, how different men and women are and to not expect the same standards of uh, attunement and emotional literacy. That you would from other women, you know, that men have a different way of processing feelings. They have this capacity to be compartmentalized, they have a capacity to be way more libidinal and connected to their sexuality and compartmentalized in their sexuality than we ever will. You know, all these things that have led to heartache and heartbreak only because we don't understand Mm -hmm. men. And also, you know, if you have a female partner and you're with a female partner, to understand how relationships don't define our worth and that relationships are not successful because they are long or loyal. They are successful because they allow you to grow. So to define relationships based on growth potential rather than longevity or loyalty, you know, but most of us were raised believing that long relationships are successful mm-hmm. and marital relationships are successful. And, and, uh, and then about, Uh, love to not confuse love with attraction or desire or dependency or attention. You know, many of us women grew up believing that if a man thought we were beautiful, that means they loved us. Or if they thought that we were sexy or desirable, that means they loved us. And we confuse that, you know, and love is something that very few people really know how to do because very few people love themselves. And most love is really transactional or conditional. So I wish you had told me that you know, be aware of what kind of love you're receiving and giving, because most of it is really just primitive, archaic, conditional love. And the minute you stop meeting those conditions, the love will go. But it's not because you are unworthy. It's because the love was unworthy and the love was not true love. It was a very primitive love. So she never told me the difference and the difference differences in love. And then about sex, you know, how we women have been taught to be Uh, denying of our sexual arousal, sexual pleasure, sexual autonomy, uh, sexual gratification, we are taught to, you know, preserve ourselves for a man typically, or another lover, and to, you know, not really indulge in self-pleasure. So I wish she had told me how ridiculous that was, and Mm -hmm. how we can only know pleasure from others if we know pleasure from the self. Um, So those were the the, some of the things I talked about.
1: So that's That's that last, yeah, that last bit about especially self pleasure. I feel like for me, whenever you talk about that, I know I get a shame trigger. Like I know that from my you know Catholic upbringing and such, that was something that was not talked about. Definitely wasn't even looked on as something that you know it was a sin essentially. So, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can can be Right, honest. because this is how we've
2: been conditioned because it keeps us under check because sexuality is a very free and wild energy that people are afraid of again, like afraid big feelings. Uh, it's the highest form of connection is our sexuality to our bodies, to our beauty, to our pleasure. So p- people wanted to, the people of the old wanted to control women especially. Mm-hmm. So they taught us to associate it with shame. Mm-hmm. and they told us we were bad to have sexual fantasies or sexual gratification. Uh, when you really break it down, it's just you loving your own body, and that's the right. most liquid, most beautiful thing you can do. But look how we've been successfully conditioned to be enslaved to some sort of archaic paradigm.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. We've taken away our own rights to do just that, to love our own bodies in, yeah. in a sense. So. Each week, Jade and I do a segment called Magic Trick, where we share tools and tricks, practices with the audience um, for for them to implement into their life if they so choose. So I was wondering, because I know you have a whole arsenal of amazing practices um, from reading your book and such. Do you have one to share with us today?
2: Well, I think it's not a quick fix magic trick, but it's one that, that's very powerful in my life is when I am in a repetitive uh, conflict pattern or repetitive dysfunctional pattern or repetitive unhealthy pattern, whether it be with food, exercise, it doesn't matter. I now don't look at it as a one-off, you know, oh, it's on Tuesday. Oh, it's on, you know, after holiday. Now I stop dead in my tracks and I go, oh my goodness, I'm in a pattern. This is a pattern. And I always teach parents that or or people that they're mostly living patterns, not a life. So when, when we become aware of how the pattern is replaying, it's very powerful because then it's no longer about the pizza or the, uh, about the man named Sam or the man named Matt or the girl named Sarah. It's about a pattern that's being repeated, which is more to do with our own emotional healing than anything on the outside. Mm. And when you realize that you're repeating a pattern because it's you, nothing to do with the outside that's a very powerful wake-up call. Mm.
1: So does that uh, idea of mostly living patterns and not living a life or living patterns instead of living a life come from uh, like our archaic lizard brains of just trying to find whatever's safe enough that we go, okay, well, this is safe, so I'm going to stick with this. It's, then we become comfortable in that pattern. And we don't change out of it. We don't move on to something that could actually help us. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. So lizard brain or what I would say, we're just asleep uh, and enslaved to conditioning. So whatever we've been conditioned to do. Mm-hmm. So the process of awakening is to break that conditioning and to break paradigms. So, you know, even if it means f- for a while to eat ice cream before your meal, you know, I'm just mm. in some yeah, backwards. We're so conditioned right. to do, you know, to we condition our palate. We condition our bodies. We condition our minds. We condition each other and certainly our children and it's on rote, you know, and when you stop to go, but why? You know, so maybe one hack, hack or mind trick as you call it would be to keep saying like a child, but why? And mm-hmm. if you really ask yourself all day, but why are you doing this? But why are you eating this? But why are you eating now? Well, why, why are you going to this church? Why are you going to that synagogue? Why you? Why are you kneeling on your on your knees right now? Why are you yelling at your kid right now? Uh, why did you just thank God right now? Why are you scared right now? You know, if you keep saying why, and really dig for an answer, you will see that it's you'll come up with just because you've always done this, and that there you go, you're in a pattern. Mm. So to be awakened is to break out of patterns, is to really live in the moment, not in a in an impulsive way, you know, people think that living in the moment is just to live without uh, any control. Actually, it's the contrary. You're very present. You're very attuned. You're very aligned, and you're 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 actually independent of substances, of addictions, of because you're very much in the moment and entering each moment with so much wholeness mm. that you need less and less and less. So um, asking why, you know, exposes yourself exposes all the patterns you've been living with and all the belief systems you've just been conditioned by.
1: Yeah, it really would bring you down to your most authentic truth in every moment. Mm -hmm.
0: So we also have a question from the Magic Mob. We had a lot of questions come in just about the preteen years alone, um, but this one summed it up for the most part. Since becoming a mother, I have a harder time letting go of control and rarely felt the need prior to that. For example, I gave my preteen son, who is exercising his power and really testing boundaries, the responsibility of doing his own laundry. But then I will remind him 20 times to do it, or I will just end up doing it for him. How can I give up my sense of control, and why do we try to control so much?
2: Right. So, again, if she asks why, there's some sort of fear that's beneath the not doing the laundry and letting him pay the consequence, right? Pay the price for it. There's Mm -hmm. some sort of fear. Either she feels like he won't like her anymore. He'll think he's, she's a bad mom or that she feels he's going to look, you know, less than positive in the eyes of others. Mm -hmm. She wants the image of herself to be upheld. There's a fear there that causes her to, in the end, do the laundry. She's Mm -hmm. on the right track, but at the end, like most of us, we capitulate and we give in because something makes us afraid. In my life, it's always, oh, I don't want my daughter to think I'm a mean mom. I don't want my daughter to think I'm a lazy person. So our old fears interfere and we sabotage our own parenting, you know, and I see this happening all over. So again, that parent needs to ask, what am I afraid of? Why am I not letting him suffer the consequences of his own
1: decisions? It's
2: always a fear.
1: Mm, That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there are a few short questions we would like to ask everyone who comes on the show. First off, if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say?
2: That life is completely unpredictable, so don't try to even think you have the uh, audacity to control it.
0: (laughs) Hmm. I needed that today. (laughs) Um, If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I think it would be The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. I start your book and A New Earth. As soon as I finish it, I start it over because I just <laughs> constantly need the reminders of you and him yeah. in my life.
1: <laughs> yeah, The Power of Now was my beginning of my soul-seeking journey. It was a good mm-hmm. book for me. All right. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? All of
2: this is an illusion. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. There was a something I was listening or I was think I was reading or something on the gram or something like that today about uh, how to determine when something is an illusion or essentially when you're feeling fear come up in you just to do a quick inventory check. Is this thing threatening in any way to my actual you know, health? Is this an actual real threat to me, to my life, to the things that really, really matter? And if it's not, then it's easy to determine that it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. That's
0: a good reminder. Mm-hmm. So, um, Dr. Shafali, before we let you go, I just wanted to read my favorite paragraph from your book that I have had on my fridge for almost five years now. It is, Our consciousness and unconsciousness are transmitted not only by our overt pain, but also in the energy we exude just by our presence, even when we say and do nothing. Thus, our children pick up a great deal from how we embrace them each morning, how we react when they break our favorite vase, how we handle ourselves in a traffic accident, how we sit and talk to them, whether we really look at what they show us and whether we take an interest in what they say. They notice when we intrude on their life with unwarranted questions and demands and they feel it when we withdraw from them or utter reprimands. They are moved by how we praise their success, but wounded when we put them down for their failures. They are aware of how it feels to be in our presence when we sit in silence with them and of the energy field of acceptance or rejection they experience around us. Each of these moment-by-moment exchanges transmits either consciousness or unconsciousness. How can you give to your children unless you first allow yourself to be filled from your own well? Unless you are fulfilled, you will use your children to to complete you. You will teach them how to live with your acknowledged fears, your rejected emptiness, your forgotten lies, all the while unaware you're doing so. Such is the power of unacknowledged lostness. Mm-hmm. That's the, I, I don't know how you, that's so <laughs> mystical. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you for putting that into the universe. And thank you for taking your time to be here with us tonight. Um, before we let you go, where can people find you and your work?
2: Well, they can go to my website, drshefali.com. And I have a lot of programs that I offer, a lot of courses. I have an online coaching program for parents. If people want to become a coach uh, and do my work and help heal families, I have a whole online coaching program they can look up and explore. Um, So all of that is on my website, drshefali.com.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. We're going to give a little more detail of that in the end of this episode and put that in the show notes. So don't worry if you're listening, we'll have all that information for you. Yes. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being here with us. Thank Dr. you so much. Nice being here. Bye. Bye. That was really, really cool. So if you guys are listening and you are picking up some of this knowledge that Dr. Shafali just just laid out for us. You may want to enroll in her Conscious Parent Coaching Institute. This is an online program. It'll train you in her core methods and strategies to help parents awaken to a higher consciousness so that they may set their children free. What child doesn't need to be set free, y'all? If you're passionate about healing children and parents, or you just want to become more conscious yourself, then do not hesitate to join this program. Like I said earlier, guys, I don't have kids, and this is still life-changing for me because I am really um, trying to implement her practices and tools to heal my own inner child and work on that before I have kids because I think that's a really important thing to do as well. And I know, Jade, joining this Conscious Parent Coaching Institute is like one of your dream goals as well, so. Yes, Yeah, you guys can go to drshefali.com slash coaching institute slash magic. That's magic with a J. That's right. And by the way, Dr. Shefali spells her name S-H-E-F-A-L-I just for reference.
0: And guys, this link will be in our show notes. It will also be on our Instagram throughout this week. Um, I'll be promoting it on my page up until... It's um, closed, so it'll be easy to find if you look on either of our socials, um, and it's easy, easily accessible in the show notes of this episode. But I could not recommend it enough. Yeah. So speaking of, I have got my magic trick is, is from her book from The Conscious Parent. Fabulous. So I just want you, and you're going to have to rewind this, of course, um, <laughs> to write these questions down and put them on your fridge or your mirror or your calendar. But I would invite you to move it weekly because sometimes I'll put a reminder up and then it's just something Mm -hmm. I walk by, like a tattoo. I get a tattoo to remind myself of something and it's just (laughs) a part of my body. So move it around so it's not just a habit to pass it by. Cool. First question, what is my parenting mission or my parenting philosophy? Mm. could answer that or you could answer it whenever you look at it because that may change. How do I manifest this in my everyday interaction with my child? Mm. Thirdly, have I mapped out a thoughtful, mindful mission as I would were I running a major organization? Because this is far Mm -hmm. more important, right? And lastly, do I recognize every aspect of my parenting as a call to my higher evolution? So those are four questions. I know I said them a little bit quick, but you can rewind and just write those down. Um, maybe we'll put them on our Instagram too, to make it easy for you. But, uh, yeah, write those down, have them in front of you. Maybe put them on a reminder on your phone from time to time or something.
1: And I love, love, love that you said, you know, put these questions around your house or whatever, move them often, put them in your car, whatever it is so that you're reading them regularly. But Mm -hmm. also importantly is that, you don't even have like i know some of these questions are really big questions you know and answering mm-hmm. them are, are might be too overwhelming you're like i'm not even going to have the time to do that or you feel like they seem scary or too big so you're you're probably just going to let this fall by the wayside and not do it even just writing down these questions and putting them somewhere where you're going to see them regularly is going to get your subconscious working on it remember your subconscious is yeah. doing work in your sleep guys like, good point just put the questions out there you don't even have to answer them today just do that one little step let it be in the back of your mind rolling around and it the answers will come it just works that way it just does like trust that process yes good point what about you, Mercedes? What do you have? So my magic trick, it kind of came from several different angles. I was um, i was reading a book called Eastern Body, Western Mind at around the same time I was studying for this interview with Dr. Shabali. And I also found an article online that further kind of solidified what this magic trick would be all about and, and why it's valuable to pass on to our listeners. So I'm going to I'm really I'm listing these references, by the way, and these sources, because I'm aware that when parents hear someone like me spouting out parenting advice, <laughs> even though I don't have any children of my own, they're going to be like, yeah, no. So I just want to make sure that it's clear that this is coming from, you know, other sources outside of myself. But it's also what I think I would have um, liked to hear or it would have improved my own experience of growing from a child to a well-rounded adult um, if I would have had that. So the magic trick is to celebrate mistakes with your children. And I'm saying celebrate mistakes, both their mistakes and your mistakes. Um, I think adults need to let children make their own mistakes and learn from them. Absolutely. And we need to, you know, watch them struggle and settle their own problems with their own devices. And uh, we also need to let them do as much as they can for themselves and treat children responsibly so they can function on their own. I think that's that's a big mm-hmm. miss right now in today's culture. Yeah. And I know it's hard to let children make their own mistakes. Of course, we feel like if they would just listen to us then they wouldn't have to suffer from their own mistakes. Allowing them to do for themselves sometimes makes us have to pick up all that slack. So it's like if I pour the juice it won't spill, you know, instead of letting your kid try to do it themselves mm-hmm. and spill it everywhere and now you're going to have to clean up the mess, but they learned a lesson there. Learning to recognize our mistakes and repair them grow from them is super essential for for kids. And I know, like I said, we want to protect them, but let's let them make the mistakes. And a yeah. reminder there is that resilient children make mistakes, get up, brush themselves off, and move on, which is what we want, right? We want resilient children. And uh, some of the tips to add to that, um, or some of the notes, I guess, to go with that idea of celebrating mistakes with your children is to embrace mistakes in the first place. So, you know, uh, giving that message to your kids of no one is perfect, everyone makes mistakes, and um, telling them it's part of how we learn, you know, teaching them that you can keep a good attitude through through whatever their errors are, and it'll help them be less fearful of making mistakes in the first place, which I think is huge because I grew up wanting to be a perfectionist. You know, that was like making mistakes was not on the table for me. Remind children of what they've already accomplished. So really just taking note of their accomplishments and and even voicing that to them, you know, how far they've come f- without having to focus on the mistakes they've made on the way so you know when you're a baby you couldn't walk and look at you now you run so fast i can hardly keep up with you so that's one and encourage inventiveness um thomas edison took over a thousand attempts to make the light ball work you know he had a thousand mistakes before making one of the most amazing event inventions of human time of all human time so Figuring out, you know, how to encourage inventiveness might be, you might have to be a little inventive to do that, but I think you guys can handle it. And it's hard to keep ourselves from butting in with criticism and and advice, but if we hang back a little bit, I think that kids can figure it out, you know, little by little on their own. They're going to make those mistakes. They're going to fall down. They're going to do what you don't want them to do at first, but if they can have the space to grow from it, I think it can be huge on the growth path.
0: Yes, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely going to implement that myself, uh, having two toddlers. I wanted to remind our listeners that the link we gave you guys for Dr. Shafali's coaching, that actually starts, um, I believe, on June 5th. So make sure you sign up for that here in the next couple of days. We don't want you to miss out on that. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. We hope you found this conversation amazing because I know that we did. This was a huge goal of mine to talk to Miss Dr. Shivali. So if you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and family. This would mean so much to us. And remember that you can go to our Instagram page at The Magic Hour to ask us or any of our future
1: guests a question. Talk to you guys next week. Until then, be a light. Thank you to Dr. Shivali Sabari for being on our show today and to at Tone Royal for our intro jam and John Garza with Real In Motion Productions for producing the show. Quick disclaimer. We are not medical professionals, so following any of our protocols or advice should be done at your own risk, people. And please remember to always, always do your own research. Tap into that extraordinary growth mindset we all have access to within ourselves and seek out your own answers. Come on, guys. You know, you know the deal. And by the way, if you are a medical professional or an expert in any topic we cover and you feel we are not giving accurate information about it, please find somewhere to contact us. Contact us via social or email us at our website and let us know. A major goal of ours in doing this podcast is to bring value to people's lives by sharing helpful insights and info. So we welcome being corrected at any time, and we'll be happy to share any of our fuck-ups with our listeners so as to get us all back on track to discovering our happiest, healthiest selves.